Hello, this is the Contractor Coffee Club podcast presented by EGIA, and I'm your host, Mark Madison. This podcast is hosted on EGIA.org slash podcast, where you can also find links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, along with an archive of all previous episodes, a submission form for our listener Q&A, and the link to take the latest EGI snapshot survey. In today's episode, we have the absolute privilege of interviewing Paul Kelly in Phoenix, Arizona. Paul, how are you? I'm doing unbelievable. You, Mark? <laughs> if I was doing any better, I'd be twins. There you go. If right? I was doing any better, I'd be you. Well, I think I was just thinking the exact same thing about you, but I'm sold. I don't even buy green bananas anymore, so there's that. I hear you. Yeah. So we met briefly in Vegas. You were going one way, I was going another on the escalator. And I yeah. was sad I didn't get to sit through your session. So I want to find out a little bit about your background. Tell me how you got started in this business. Well, the uh, got some family in in the business. My dad was in the business. Got a brother in the business, brother-in-law. But really, my background was accounting. Strange as that may seem, and uh, went to college for accounting. Ended up uh, becoming a CPA. Was an auditor for years, and so really, I kind of went another route. And then uh, came back around at some point. I ended up. Working for Rotorooter, I worked for a few other companies, but worked for Rotorooter in the accounting department. Worked with the outside auditors and did uh, a lot of their things with their uh, 600 and something franchises and uh, 100 plus company owned locations. And then eventually got into marketing, decided I wanted to uh, move away from accounting and uh, did marketing for a number of years and then uh, into operations and ran a location for Rotorooter in Columbus, Ohio. Eventually, uh, they bought Service America, uh, Ron Smith and the gang, and uh, ended up running a Tampa location for them, and then eventually worked for a consolidator in the industry. And so, you know, started off on the plumbing side of the business, eventually uh, did HVAC, appliance repair, electrical, uh, and it was all in the management side of the equation. So I've been in the business now for, oh, close to 30 years now. And, wow. uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I know I don't look that old, but. Uh, well, but, you got a yeah. cocoon in your hot tub, right? <clears throat> there you go. There you Josh, go. Uh, cocoon's a movie from the 80s by Ron Howard. Just so you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I remember it. Uh, but yeah, I worked for Blue Dot and was a regional VP for them. And. Really flew around for years and years, like I know you're good at and other people within EGIA are good at and helping companies grow their their business as well as become more profitable. And I did that for a number of years and then eventually had the opportunity to buy the business here in Phoenix. What year was that? That was in uh, 2004. No kidding. So <clears throat> it was kind of a boon economy and... Things are going well, and you're in a hot market. Pardon the pun. Yeah, yeah, real hot. The no, we uh, bought the business back in 2004. It had uh, had about 25 trucks. We did about seven million in revenue um, that year, and uh, and then kind of uh, took off from there. 14 years later, we're one of the larger uh, companies, I think, in America. Just. We just focus on residential, primarily do a little bit of commercial, no new construction. 
And uh, now we've got, oh, 325 trucks and uh, doing about 100 million a year. So awesome. it's, uh, it's, it's been a crazy ride, that's for sure. Well, you, you know, as I listen to your history, you've had the privilege of not only doing a variety of different uh, jobs and responsibilities, but you've also come across some really good mentors. Some people, who, you know, guys like Ron Smith, obviously, who's kind of the godfather in this business. And uh, he's an old friend and, and, uh, and a good soul and a wonderful teacher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he was, to me, a pioneer. I got to know George Brazil on, more on the plumbing side, but HVAC side as well. And just uh, really along the way, I don't really have a new idea. I like to put different spins on ideas, but most everything, most of my success has been because of all the people I've met along the way, people like you and others who have really shaped and molded me and how I think. And, and really, uh, I take what other people, uh, the success that they've had, and, uh, and I get really good at implementing things. And, and I think that's probably what's driven our success the most. The word you used when we were in Vegas was execution. Would you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of ideas uh, in this industry. There's a lot of techniques. There's a lot of programs. There's a lot of a lot of things. And training is, uh, and as you know, EGIA is becoming the leader in training in our industry. But really, it's uh, it's about taking what you learn and it's actually, you know, implementing it. It's the execution of the idea or the program. And so what we've tried to do here in Phoenix is get good at that execution. It uh, it is it is where you're going to get your benefits from It's uh, You know, there's there's not really new ideas in our industry for the most part. Uh, they're old ideas, but maybe a little bit different spin here and there. But a lot of people have trouble, you know, executing. And uh, so I've, <clears throat> I've tried to take and I, even for myself in the early days, I had trouble myself. And, uh, and so what I tried to do is take ideas that I was hearing from different people and try and simplify them, try and break them down into something that I could implement. And uh, what I found in that process is that I'm probably not very good at implementing something that's complicated, but I can be pretty good at implementing something that's simple. And uh, I concentrate on that. I think it was Napoleon Hill that said, it's not more information we need, but a better use of what we already know. So yeah, if, that's, that's, if that's true, then what are the three things that you really focus on? And the reason I'm choosing three is I, hmm. I, I really believe in taking something you know, complicated and simplifying by saying, you know, in basketball, it's defense, free throws and rebounds. It's football, it's a kicking game, turnovers and clock management. In leadership is, is where's the bus going? Who's on the bus? And are they in the right seat on the bus? So if you could, if you could say three things that from an execution standpoint that you feel are absolutely vital, what are those three things? That's a good question. Uh, I'd say first and foremost, the first thing uh, I would say would be uh, hiring and retaining great people. Okay. We all we all talk about it. We all have different ways to do it. But uh, what what I found is over the years we just never spent enough time, money, and energy on it. And so it's one of the things that we meet on every week. We talk about it. And I think if you <clears throat> if you end up with the best people, then you'll you'll win no matter what. And uh, and and so I think that's 
probably the first thing. The second thing is you got the, you know, I get a bigger kick out of growing sales than probably anything we do. And that's a combination of marketing and advertising, but it's also taking the business that you already get and making more out of it. And so I think that's the second thing that I would probably mention is to get really good at growing sales. If if your sales are growing and you're uh, uh, you're on top of your game there, then everything else falls in place. The third thing, um, I'm trying to think what what would be my top three. Um, probably the the third thing is is just to on on the execution side take um i think we all get so many initiatives whether it's um cutting a different cost or um you know between hiring or maybe you're implementing a new software or you have inventory things there's always something broke in the business take one or two things a year and 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 just get them fixed and get on top of your game for those one or two things. So staying focused on what's going to give you the biggest bang for the buck. And it's really prioritizing. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it. Uh, and the larger we've got over the years, it it kind of gets magnified when things are out of whack. Um, they can be really out of whack, and so it. Uh, you know, prioritizing where where your biggest opportunities are is an important thing. You can't you can't possibly do everything you want to do. You can't possibly do everything you might hear at a seminar. You really got to take one or two ideas. I believe for me anyway, personally, I can't I can't even, you know, talk and listen at the same time hardly. <laughs> so you know, I've got to do one thing and drive it home. And then when I've got that thing driven home, then I'll I'll pick another thing. And I think if uh, if you were in the seminar in Phoenix, you would find there's certain beliefs that I have about a business that, uh, you know, one of which is I'm not a big goal person. I'm not somebody who ever thought that they could grow from seven million to a hundred million in 14 years. I never had that plan, never wanted to do that, actually, never, never thought about it. But all I was trying to do when I was at 7 million is go to 8 million. And so I do the same thing on a, on a, uh, a diet. I'm not trying to lose 15 pounds. I'm trying to lose one pound by tomorrow. And I, I know how to do that. And that is something that I can bite off and I can I, I can do something little to get there, and then I reset my goals. And so that constantly getting better at something and just making small goals, hitting them, celebrating quickly, and then and then uh, making a new goal. And I think that's been part of our success here in Phoenix is, you know, a little bit at a time. But when you when you do that on a daily basis and you look back at some point, you've accomplished a lot. Small goals and consistency. I think the Japanese call it Kaizen. Improve yeah. 1% a day for 90 days and you're twice as good after three months. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that's that, what I'm uh, to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's an excellent way to put it. Um, well, it's, it's simple, isn't it? I mean, you, you're taking small goals. You said it. Just you lose one pound today, right? And if I keep doing that over an extended period of time, the 15 pounds take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, but it, it's, I think the human nature or sometimes it, uh, 
you know, we have a tendency to uh, change direction too often. And so one of the things that I know we we have in the past and we guard against it is we confuse our, our let's say, service technicians or comfort consultants. Because this week we're rolling out something and next week we're rolling out something else. And the week after that or the month after that, we're concentrating on something totally different. And so that you have all these competing goals. And in their head, they're saying to themselves, will you just figure out what you want? Tell me what you want and let's just go after that. But you keep you keep changing your mind. You keep putting all these different things in place. And uh, and I think that uh, so we guard against that. We we just focus on one thing and we don't really focus on the numbers. That might sound strange from a guy who's an accountant and a CPA. <laughs> but uh, but we really focus on the we don't focus on the end goal. We focus on executing the thing that we're trying to accomplish. We're not focused on how many points we need to score uh, in this game. We're, fo- we're focused on, let's just make my block. If I make my block and the guy next to me makes his and whatever, it'll look like we have teamwork, but really we're just all concentrating on doing our own job. And only when our own job is done can we think about helping somebody else. And I think that that's what has helped us get there is uh, we, we've gotten, a, I mean, we have great people who do great things. Sometimes I tell people, I think the people that work at Parker and Sons, they care more about the company than I do and I own it. And uh, I think I think they get that way because one, they see uh, the fruits of their labor and they're, rewarding a, they're uh, rewarded accordingly. And beyond that, they, uh, you know, they have a real strong focus on what's going to make them successful. And then they end up hitting those goals. So it's first things first, one thing at a time, and finish what you start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad would, uh, he's not with us anymore, but that sounds just like my dad. That's (laughs) exactly how he would have put it. (laughs) Well, I I borrowed that from Peter Drucker. He wrote a book in 1965 called The Effective Executive, and that was the theme of the book. First things first, one thing at a time, finish what you start. It's pretty simple. It isn't easy. It's hard, but it's simple. Yeah, That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would, I would totally agree with that. What, uh, what's the biggest lesson you learned from your father? You know, probably hard work and dedication to the family. He was a hard worker. He, uh, you, you could not outwork that guy. Um, <laughs> he, he supported, uh, he supported eight kids living in a three-bedroom house uh, on a on a technician uh, salary, and wow. so it. Uh, he, uh, but he was a worker. Uh, he probably worked 60 to 70 hours every week. Uh, and so hard work, you know, they say if you want to be successful, you got to be smart enough and you got to be willing to work hard enough. And I, I usually add one, you got to have uh, people who care enough. Um, but the, um, but yeah, he was a hard worker. Family was everything to him. He, he would not miss a football game or, a or anything that any of us were doing, uh, he made time for it, even if it meant just asking off for a couple hours during the day so he could attend it. So it, uh, I would say that's what I, I learned from him. Wow. So he spelled love, T-I-M-E. He was at the important events. Oh, yeah. 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 No, he was, he was uh, 
he was at, yeah, he was our best supporter. That's for sure. When you grow up with uh, four brothers and three sisters, you know, there's uh, there's always something going on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no seconds. You got to eat fast. Yeah. Oh, well, we had we have five boys in one bedroom and three girls in another. And my mom and dad got their own bedroom for some reason. And uh, and, and maybe that's how uh, we ended up with so many of us. But uh, but no, we. Uh, but today, uh, maybe unlike some families, we're just uh, the closest family. You get us all together, and uh, and it's uh, and it's nothing but fun. It's right out of Blue Bloods, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> what do you love about this business? You know, it's uh, well, one, it's a great business to be in uh, if you're an owner or a manager or whatever. It, you you can make great money. It's uh, you're helping people. I mean, every day between uh, heating and air, plumbing, electrical, we're helping people either get their life back in their own home or making people more comfortable. Yeah, we're saving the day on a on a 118 degree day in Phoenix, Arizona. We're out there, you know, in 160 degree attics helping people. I think it's it's that helping people that that makes it fun. But it's beyond that. It's a great business to be in. I mean, it's somewhat recession resistant. Uh, you're going to, you can do well, even during tough times. And I get a bigger kick really out of seeing success of the people that we have. I, I tell people, I'll get a bigger kick out of you making money than the company making money. Doesn't mean the company doesn't want to make more money. It just means that when you're able to do stuff for your family or your or yourself that you weren't able to do working for somebody else, I get a kick out of that. Right. And, uh, and really it is, we have a bunch of people that make great money, have great benefits, and uh, they're able to take care of their families at a higher level than, and themselves than they might uh, have been able to do working for somebody else. And really for me, that's the most enjoyable part of, of my job is seeing that success, seeing people being able to afford a nice house or send their kids to college or take that nice vacation with their family or, or have that hobby for themselves that uh, maybe a more expensive hobby that they couldn't do, you know, before. And so I think that's the rewarding part of all of our jobs. And I know you as a, you know, a trainer in this industry, it, uh, you know, changing people's lives for the better is, uh, is something that I know drives you and others and uh, certainly drives me as well. Yeah, there's no greater feeling to have somebody send you an email or a text or a letter or a phone call that says, you, you know, that information you shared changed my life. And I, I'm, I'm blessed that it happens every week. And it's why I keep doing what I do. You, you mentioned something recession proof. And, and so it immediately triggered a, uh, something from Ron Smith. Uh, the road to wealth is paved with service agreements. Talk about the value of service agreements. How many do you have and what you, you know, how do you emphasize the importance of those? Yeah, we have uh, we have around 32,000. It sounds like a lot, but with a company as big as ours, only, only thirty-two thousand. Well, you better get yeah. to work. Yeah, we need we need more. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, well, you know, it for here in Phoenix, Arizona, as as uh, you know, the listeners might might guess, we have kind of one season. Now it's an extended season, and so we don't we don't really have a big heating uh, season here, and so. Keeping people busy during those shoulder months are, is very important to us. I'm not a company who wants to hire, then lay off, and hire and lay off. We don't. Right. We don't lay off. 
but so the service agreements help us keep people busy. And more than that, it, it lets them earn a living uh, even during the slowest times. Right. On top of that, it builds fences around uh, around your customers so that, you know, no one can get in. Uh, competitors can't get in when you have a service agreement. And of course, we all know that service agreements sell, you know, sell at a higher dollar, close at a higher rate, and all those things are good. And so it uh, it is kind of the backbone of our company. Uh, it allows us to... Uh, to drive a lot of revenue. Most of our revenue is driven through our customer base. We did a study at one time and found that the average consumer, at least here in Phoenix, Arizona, spends on average, if you have a service agreement with them, spends on average about $1,000 a year with you over a 10-year period, that's $10,000. And so that's between services and uh, tune-ups and, of course, buying systems, uh, uh, you know, every 10, 12 years or so. And so it's... say that they have a 90% close rate with their service agreement customers when it's time for an add-on replacement. Has that been your experience? Yeah, I don't know if ours is quite that high, but it's uh, it's certainly 75 to 80. Yeah. Um, yeah, it... Uh, uh, and they don't they don't tend to get, you know, other bids, as we say, they they tend to want to use you. And even if even if they do, you you've normally got your last shot at them. So, it, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be unusual. We close uh, we close most all of them. Um, so it, uh, it it is a great thing to do. It's uh, you have to concentrate on it. You have to get good at it. Sometimes technicians aren't uh, very good at um, selling a maintenance agreement. We train on it. We sell most of ours on the phone, uh, even before we go out. Mm. Uh, and so I can control people on the phone. I can hear them on the phone. I can I can see them. I can work with them. Technicians are all out there running around. Uh, I can't be with them, uh, or the manager or supervisor can't be with them all the time. So. What we found is we want to keep training our service techs to sell them, but we can really drive it ourselves right here in the office. And uh, and so that's how we have grown our base. Interesting. You've uh, you obviously care about your employees. You care about your customers. What I'm hearing kind of between the lines is, uh, you know, you develop what I call breakthrough relationships with your customers. So why would they go somewhere else if they if they're delighted with what they're what you're doing with them? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, you know, I don't think any of us, uh, you know, in this industry or listening to this podcast would, would, uh, you know, we like doing business with people that we trust Mm -hmm. and that we like. And, uh, I think consumers in that way haven't changed ever. And so really most, (laughs) most of our advertising is about why you should like us and trust us. And so I think uh, certainly maintenance agreements are a way to tie that all up in a nice little bow. Uh, but even even if they didn't want to do that, I mean, we have some very, very loyal customers. So really, the greatest compliment, I always say, you know, a lot of people take uh, surveys or, or things, and you should always do that. And we use Review Kangaroo to get reviews and get a good read on how our techs are doing and so forth. But 
But really, the greatest litmus test of whether your technicians are doing a great job when they're out there is, does the customer ask for them by name? Right. If you're in business for yourself, that's what you want. You want them asking for you by name. Uh, and and so really, that's what we train our technicians to do. One, to earn the right to um, that, that they would want to ask for you by name and then letting them know that that's OK. You can ask for me by name. Right. Uh, and then leaving clues around the house, because as we all know, the average customer doesn't use or need other than tune-ups um, or if you have a maintenance agreement, but the average customer doesn't use us very often. It's not a haircut or a pizza. And so <laughs> it, uh, you know, about every maybe three years, you might need an air conditioning guy. Well, it's hard to remember who you had and develop that relationship or pull the invoice and in the end, but so you, as a technician, you got to leave enough clues in the house. Whether stickers, it's refrigerator stickers, magnets, yeah. mugs, pens. Yeah. Right. Uh, write you your see. name on them. Write your right. name on stuff. Uh, you know, leave clues. And certainly that uh, that's a way if uh, I asked a tech one time, I said, you know, if you were in business for yourself, what would you do different? Mm. And he starts naming all these things he'd do. And I, I was like, well, why aren't you doing that with us? <laughs> and he kind of he kind of looked at me like, well, you know, one, you know, what's in it for me kind of look. And right. uh, we've all seen those looks. And, uh, you know, they're used to just getting calls, not not earning or keeping calls or trying to generate new calls or referrals or that kind of thing. Right. And so if 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 you ask them if you're in business for yourself, you know, what would you do? They start thinking a little bit different. They start right. thinking about, like, what would they do to grow their own business? And in a sense, everyone who works for us is in business for themselves to a large degree. And if if they can get customers to request them by name and like them and trust them, then they're busy when other people aren't. And we have extra incentives in place where they they really can earn a similar amount as if they were in business for themselves without right. all, all the headaches and the uh, risk and all the things that come with that. And so I think that's always a good thing to think about. Well, you alluded to it. Everybody's favorite radio station is WIIFM. What's in it for me? Right. Right. You're putting yourself in your technician's shoes by asking those that Socratic method of questioning and and then kind of turning it around and saying, well, then why don't you do it with us? You know, it's like, hey, I will never forget. I was a second year apprentice and I was dispatched to one of Kurt's buildings and uh, I go come walking in and they said, where's Kurt? They took one look at me kind of up and down and said, where's Kurt? I said, he was on vacation. They said, we'll wait. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and I, you know. Got to look at my shoes to see if I step in something. It's like, well, what? Well, the reality is they liked Kurt, you know? Yeah. And they had a relationship yeah. with Kurt. They trusted him and they liked him, to your points. Yeah. No, I think that's, if you're looking for um, organic referrals that happen, it's going to happen with, uh, with those technicians uh, that, uh, or installers or whatever, or salesmen that you trust and that, uh, you know, knows your family. They know a little bit about you. They uh, they took an interest in you. They're not in a rush necessarily. They take right. the time. 
they develop that relationship and they know your home and they know your, you know, things about your system. Other people might not. And, uh, and all those things are a good thing. And if, if that, if that, uh, relationship is strong enough then they do ask for you by name and again, no greater compliment to a technician or a salesman or, or really anybody that you, you know, buy anything from than to ask for him by name. That's a great feeling. A guy named Kurt Peterson hired me from Microsoft a few years ago, and he just sent me a, a LinkedIn connection. He wanted to connect with me. And I hadn't talked to this guy in probably six or seven years. But, you know, when you have that kind of, I call it marketing gravity, you know, when people are reaching out to you because of your reputation uh, or the quality of the work that you did, or the, like you said, like they like and trust you, there's no greater feeling that that brand loyalty you, you foster when you're, you're doing things right. Well, one wow. last question. Uh-huh. And I so appreciate you making the time. I know you're a busy guy. If you were to offer advice to someone who is just starting out and you could say, this is the probably the most important thing I learned, what would that one bit of advice be? Well, I think, uh, you know, if you're just starting off and you've never been in this business, I, I would definitely say join an organization like EGIA that um, that really you can you can get the foundation and the insight from people who have done it. I mean, the as you know, EGIA is like a hidden gem to me. I mean, I've been in this industry for a long time, and I'm one of the largest companies in America in the industry, and I knew very little about EGIA. Uh, and then when I got to know, I learned about him through my uh, uh, son, Josh, uh, in uh, Review Kangaroo and then got to know Bruce and you and others. And oh, my gosh, it's it's probably the biggest, you know, hidden gem in our industry. Right. Of of uh, of the best training and the best uh, support that you could get. So you need you need a support system and you need mentors if you were just starting off. And, and I think this is the first place to look. If you if you're buying a business or you've been in the business uh, a little while and you're now finally getting to own one or, or run a company or maybe you just became manager. My my best advice is this is take the business that you already get and make more out of it because that's your low hanging fruit. And once you get good at that, whether it's increasing your close rates or increasing your average revenue per job or ending every call with some other opportunity or taking your base of business and talking to those customers more and getting more out of it and uh, offering accessories and all the stuff that you do to make that, you know, $300 ticket, a $500 ticket and maybe more leads and so on. When you get really good at that, then you'll have enough to advertise. And when you have enough to advertise, the when the phone rings, and because you're good at making more out of the business you already get, every call is worth more. And you yes. get this snow this snowball effect going. And that's really what drove us is we we got this big snowball effect going. But the first thing we did, it was the only thing we did. We didn't have money to advertise. And we got good at at making more out of the business we already get. And I think that's where you start. In the end, that's where you end, too, because as we've gotten larger, we fight every day to to be really good at that. Um, There's plenty of opportunities sitting right in front of you. Uh, You don't have to go spend a whole lot of money to uh, 
to make the phone ring and get it somewhere else, make more out of what you have. Yeah, you said uh, make it from go from three to five. I call that fries with that. You want fries with that? Right, right. Oh, he made a fire with that? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. yeah. Well, that's a nice segue into an announcement from uh, from Lucas. Lucas, what do you got for us? Uh, yeah, well, since you guys have kind of been talking a lot about training and improvement today, um, EGIA Contractor University has built an industry-leading training education platform around 10 core curriculum areas, uh, areas which, when mastered, have been shown time and again to have a strong correlation with success for contracting businesses to really take your business to the next level. Uh, EGIA Plus and premium members have access to a multitude of in-person workshops, introductory online courses, more intensive online training resources focused on uh, those 10 subjects that are key to contractors, stuff like in-home sales, customer service, uh, financial structure, and seven others. They can get you from layman to expert in no time, get your team from layman to expert in no time. Uh, There are progress quizzes along the way to ensure your full comprehension of every vital concept before moving on to the next segment. And this is the most proven, effective, affordable way to successfully scale your business. So learn more about that at egia.org slash university. And I'm not saying it'll build a $100 million company for you, but as Paul said, he does work with EGIA, so. Yeah, nice. no, what I've, you know what, another thing I've learned real quick is that uh, there could be no better person to put energy into than yourself and those that work for you. And the hardest thing to do is carving out time to do it. And right. so what, what I decided a long time ago is I was just going to take a certain amount of time every day an hour a day, and I was going to learn something. I, I can't emphasize enough that, uh, you know, with all of the tools that EGIA has, taking advantage of them and listening to the podcast and all of the trainers and all of the resources there, take an hour out of every day, block it out, don't let anybody interrupt it, and uh, and learn something. And over time, you'll look back and you'll be twice the manager you were before, and everyone will feel it in your organization, and all, and it'll lead to so many other things. I call that the hour of power, my friend. Yeah. Ben Franklin said, take a coin out of your purse and put it in your head. It'll come flowing out of your head and overflow your purse. And that you know what? Is- that, that's a great way to... I, I need to hang around you more, Mark, because <laughs> I, I have trouble saying stuff, but you just put it uh, right uh, for me. Well, you know, if you work hard, you make a living. If if you work hard on yourself, you make a fortune. So I really believe that. Well, I am yeah. so grateful that you carved out this time. I know how busy you are. And, and I, I guess I would ask one last question. Do you have any questions for me? No, one, you don't have to thank me. I appreciate it. I, I've, if I'm successful at all, it's because of everyone I've met along the way. And so I love giving back uh, to the industry, to contractors. I love helping people out. And I know that's what drives you. And so really, I learn as much in this process talking to you as I do. This is my hour today. And I've learned <laughs> a lot from you. And so it, uh, one, thank you all. Thank EGIA. And, uh, Hope to do more of this in the future. And uh, good well, the late, the late great Zig Ziglar said, it really is true. You can have everything you want. I mean, everything you want. If you just help enough other people get what they want first. Yeah. If I could summarize our talk today, I'd say that's Zig's words probably define and describe Paul Kelly yeah. in Phoenix, Arizona. So thank you so much. And yeah. Lucas, 
Thank you, my friend. Uh, is there anything else before I do the outro? I think we are we are good to go. Lot to lot to digest. I'm ready to get started. Oh man, what a great what a great uh, podcast! Thank you so much. So that'll do it for today's episode. As always, visit egia.org/podcast. Find this episode and an archive of previous episodes. The online form to submit your questions for our mailbag segment and links to subscribe to podcast on Apple and Google Play app and a link to the latest EGI snapshot survey. For more information about EGI membership, visit www.egi.org slash join. I'm Mark Madison. Thanks for letting me play in your sandbox. We'll see you next time. Yeah.